Warning. The following episode will contain parental confusion, multiple hard rock cafe mentions, Cambodia angry and childish, cannibalism, fucking robot dogs, and the following episode will contain strong language. Welcome to the Band Library Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. My name is S.D. Harker, librarian, writer, holder of Movie Pass Card. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Writer. You can follow the library at Ben Library on Twitter. Also on Instagram, Facebook, and the John Denver message board. But I don't pay attention to most of those. Mostly just Twitter. If you'd like to help support the Ben Library, Go to on our Patreon over on patreon.com slash bandlibrary. There's a link in the post on the website, too. For a dollar of the month, just $12 a year, you can be a member of the Friends of the Band Library and get access to damn near everything we've ever posted going back, hell, at least a year. A couple months, maybe. We'd like to thank Heather Rose, our newest Friends of the Library. We appreciate them coming along and joining us on this weird little journey and getting things a little bit sooner than everybody else. Now today we're going to talk about a movie. A movie that when I first saw it I didn't really like it that much. Or, I thought it was fine. But, I don't know, I kind of appreciate it more now. It's Kingsman, The Golden Circle, directed by Matthew Vaughn. Basically, it's about a secret spy organization called The Kingsman. They get destroyed by a drug kingpin. Ballistic missiles just wipe them out. It's not very subtle. And one of the newest members, Eggsy, also known as Galahad, he gets help from some Americans to stop a plague that that drug dealer has put put across. That's the nuts and bolts. It's a pretty simple story. There's globetrotting at your average, you know, spy adventure. It's just cool people looking sexy, shooting guns, racing cars. This one's a little bit off the beaten path. If you've just gotten the Daniel Craig James Bond, he's got robotic arms and dogs that move things. And Well, Juliet Moore is basically being a very Martha Stewart sort of drug pin, kingpin. Basically Martha Stewart after her little stint in jail. But let's talk about Matthew Vaughn. Since he he seems to be generally in movies, unless somebody like really pops out and seems to be the one in control, I go with the director. Not like a book where there's usually an author with a singular dream and all that. Well, I usually go if I talk about movies, the director's who we usually go with. Unless it's like a Tom Cruise, and then generally it's it's a Tom Cruise movie. You understand the concept. 
So let's talk about Matthew Vaughn. He was born March 7, 1971, Paddington, area of London, England. For most of his life, he believed his father was actor Robert Vaughn, who, if you don't know who Robert Vaughn is, there's this really goofy vampire, pastiche, gothic, horror, almost naked gun type movie called Transylvania Twist. You can probably find it on YouTube today. That for some reason is the only thing I can remember him on. He's been in thousand, like at least a hundred and some movies, but for some reason that's the only movie I can ever remember him in. It latched on in my brain, and that's who Robert Vaughn is. Like a darker version of Leslie Nielsen when he played Dracula. Anyway, Matthew Vaughn used the name Vaughn with Vaughn's permission. I guess Robert Vaughn also thought he was his kid, like it was a whole thing with the mom. Until 2002, there was a parental investigation and found out that Matthew was really the son of George Albert Harley de Verdrummond, an English aristocrat who is the godson of King Henry VI. Yeah, I guess that was a shock to the system for everybody involved. He uses the name Vaughn still as a stage name and goes by Matthew Verdrummond in personal matter. That's got to be an interesting shift. You're like 31 years old, 71, 2002. Yeah. You know, he's made some success for himself. And then to find out, oh, yeah, you're really this other guy. It's very interesting. I don't want to, you know, throw his own thing out, his family matters out there. I usually don't talk about their, I try not to talk about family stuff too much. just because that's personal shit. That's, unless it has something to do with the work itself. But, that was just too fucking interesting. It's kind of like that uh, the old story about Jack Nicholson who found out his person he thought was his sister was really his mom and his mom was really his grandma. Well documented and just fucking fascinating. But anyway, Vaughn, you know, normal, probably prep school. Uh, he had a gap year between University College of London uh, he went to study anthropology and ancient history, but he dropped out after a couple weeks. But before he went in there, he traveled around the country visiting Hard Rock Cafe locations. Which sounds to me like he didn't know where he wanted to go, so he picked a thing he knew he could eat at in every one of them. Because I'll tell you that, I've been to a couple. They are the... Uh, back in the day, they were probably ever-present. They were all over the place. And damn it, they're the same everywhere you go, so and probably why my family went and ate. Not saying we're picky eaters. My parents just weren't the ones to go local, if you know what I mean. Kind of spurned me on every time I go on a vacation now. I go try to find the most local place. Ask the people behind the counter, like, hey, what's the best place to eat around here that's not? And if they tell me Applebee's, I was like, well, you know, you don't, there's nothing to eat here. No offense to the good people at Applebee's. I've had many an airport bar drink at Applebee's, but yeah, no. I always find the local place. The little one, we're like, oh, you want, if you want, you know, good Somalis, you go talk to Tia, Tia Carrera. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making shit up. But yeah, go local when you go places. But yeah, this gap year basically... In Hard Rock Cafe, I can only assume, like he's like I was saying earlier, he just picked a place that he knew he could eat everywhere and it was all over the damn globe. 
So you just take that rich boy globe trip and that's what you do. You don't just, you know, some people hike the Appalachian Trail. Some people, you know, see all the museums in Europe or some shit. This guy went to the Hard Rock Cafe. Can't fault him for that. You really do have to see every piece of Beatles memorabilia and every jacket that Jimi Hendrix wore to really appreciate rock and roll throughout the globe. Anyway, uh, he also, while he was doing that gap year, um, worked as an assistant to a film director, which I can only assume Robert Vaughn had something to do with, and got himself a taste for movies. And by age 25, he was producing movies. I'm assuming not with his own hard-earned money, but who knows? Maybe he did you know, work a summer doing construction and decided to use his winnings to, or his earnings to start making movies. You'll probably know... Uh, you won't know it could be his first couple, but his first big hit with a little man named Guy Ritchie. Uh, they did Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels together. That's what sort of put him on the stage. And he's also produced several of other Guy Ritchie's films, including Snatch and, I believe... Oh, I forget the other one. But yeah, so that's where he sort of made his bones and then eventually went to directing. In 2002, he also married supermodel Claudia Schiffer. So those are the, they have three children together, so good for them. But these are the kind of circles that he sort of found his way in. So, yeah, I don't feel too bad about anything I'm going to say about him or his movies because I am a fly on the speck of a wall in his house, if you want to look at that. So, yeah, I'm not saying fuck this guy. He seems okay. I mean, I, I like most of his movies, so I can't say anything. His first movie to direct was Layer Cake. Uh, I believe it's got Daniel... No, it's not Daniel Craig, it's Fassbender, maybe. I'm one of them. He went on there to, he helmed several large movies. Uh, Stardust, the Nick, uh, Neil Gaiman movie, which I quite like. It's different than the book, but it's got a very pre-Daredevil, Charlie, Charlie whatever his name is, the kid who plays Daredevil, he's really good. Uh, Kick-Ass, if you remember that. X-Men First Class, Kingsman The Secret Service, the first one of these. And Kingsman The Secret Service was actually an adaptation of a comic book, which you'll notice he does a lot of adaptations. Fine, nothing wrong with that. He also writes and directs a lot of these, or at least co-writes. And yeah, there was a comic book called The Secret Service. He He adapted it for Kingsman The Secret Service. Kingsman The Golden Circle, the movie we're dealing with right now, was the first sequel of his films that he did. You know, there's obvious... I think he was on the line for, like, the third X-Men movie. There's obviously been a kick-ass, too. There were several other X-Men movies he bowed out on because Brian Singer wanted to come back, and everybody thought that was an idea. Good, bad, or otherwise. But yeah. So this was the first sequel he really came back to. You could definitely tell it's somewhat of a passion project. It's got a staple all over it of just wild fucking action moving the camera a lot. I actually quite like his directing style. I don't have any problem with it. I don't want to jump the gun, but there it is. Uh, currently, he's in negotiations to direct a follow-up of Man of Steel, the Zack Snyder Superman movie that is divisive, to say the least. I was a fan of maybe 40% of it, and the rest of it you could throw away. He's also finishing uh, work on The King's Man, a sort of prequel to this whole series about World War I or World War II. World War I, I believe, is where a 
the whole Kingsman spy organization came together. From what I've heard, it has Winston Churchill as a spy, which I'm kind of for. So yeah, that's what he's been up to. That's who he is. Matthew Vaughn. Seems a decent fella. I ain't got nothing wrong with him. Now why are we talking about this movie, you ask? Well, 2017 in Cambodia, they didn't like it because they felt it gave Cambodia a negative depiction. So they banned it outright. As far as I know, it is not that ban has not been lifted. So you'll have to probably go down to some street vendor who just has a DVD copy of it and buy it. Or I don't know if Amazon has a Cambodia arm, but I'm sure they do. I bet you could order it. But you can't show it, definitely. Authorities said the movie uses, quote, Cambodian land as the place where the terrorists stay and make trouble for the world, unquote. Yeah. That, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what they do. That's, that, that is in the movie. I can't fault them for that. Meanwhile, a local dis- distribution company called the decision childish. So back in the warning, at the top of the episode, I wasn't just, you know, fucking around. That's literally what their own local companies called it. Because this is just a stupid action movie. It's like the state of Arizona deciding not to release the movie Biodome because the biosphere is in you know is in Arizona and you're making Polly Shore cry or whatever, unless it's in New Mexico. You get my point. Nobody really gives a shit. Cambodia could probably have a better PR stunt. I mean, I would like to go there and see this weird-ass ruins with all these 50s. We'll talk about that. But anyway, I'm just saying, I think they missed out on an opportunity just because there's bad people in your country or bad people, you know, base of operations in your country doesn't mean you're a bad country. Maybe people will come to see that shit. You know, drive up your tourism. I'm not... I'm not telling you how to run your country. I'm not going to lie to you. The only thing I really do know about Cambodia is that Dead Kennedy song. And it didn't sound like it was a happy place. At least before the Americans came in. So maybe they're just tired of Americans pushing them around. Except, this is sort of a British film. So who knows. Anyway, let's get it. Uh, the movie itself, it is a sequel to The Kingsman's Secret Service. It was written by Jane Goldman and Matthew Vaughn. They've written together on most of his movies, actually. And she's a really good writer in her own right, but I did not look that up. What else she did? Damn it, one of them is really good. Look up Jane Goldman. She's really good. Um, it stars Colin Firth, who a lot of people that grew up around my time would know him as that shirtless guy in Pride and Prejudice. He's also the weenie who learns a different language in Love Actually and probably a bunch of other movies. Julianne Moore. The breathtakingly gorgeous woman. Um, I mean, Colin Firth is a handsome fella, but I'm just saying I've always had a crush on. I've kind of had a crush on Julianne Moore uh, ever since The Big Lebowski. She was one of the daughters, the artist daughter. Uh, I also, I kind of liked her in Hannibal. She took over the Clary Starling role. I mean, it's just really hard to follow up Jodie Foster's thing. They shouldn't have made that damn movie. Uh, she's also in Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, and a bunch of other movies. She's really good. She's she's amazing. Watch her. Um, yeah. Uh, Taron Edgerson, I think he's fine. Uh, a lot of people, you know, it's just a new crop of actors are coming up. People are always dismissive. 
Does he have the best choice in movies? Eh. I mean, he's good in these. I thought it, I think he's fine. It's not, you know, a terrible, horrible, you know, playing that archetype of the weird loner coming in to shake things up who doesn't quite understand how all these stuffy people are acting, blah, blah, blah. Which, if you look at it, these are movies are a slobs versus snobs sort of weird. It's not really classism, but it, it tries to be, so, you know, give it some points. Uh, he did really eh in that Robin Hood movie, and he was excellent in Rocketman playing Elton John. Definitely seek that one out. That was a very non-musical musical movie that I just dug the shit out of and thought he was really good in I'm sure he's got other ones. Uh, Mark Strong is always a fan favorite here. I love him in this. What happens in, in to him in this is a crime. I'll say it right now. For some reason, I'm blanking on everything else he's done, but yeah, just fucking amazing. One uh, other also staggeringly beautiful, and not to say Taron Edgerton and Mark Strong, again, very handsome men. If that's the way we were, you know, I'm just saying Desert Island, things would happen. Halle Berry. Always had sort of a crush on Halle Berry. And then I saw Catwoman. Eh. But she's excellent in Storm in the, a lot of the X-Men movies. And most people might know her that way. Monster's Ball is fucking one of the best movies. Just stay away from her James Bond and her uh, Catwoman. Just, not great. Pedro Pascal. Oh. Oh, this man. He's just a... He's just a hunk of hunk, isn't he? And a damn good actor. I didn't even realize this was him. You'll know him from that one Game of Thrones thing where he got his eyes popped out of his head. You'll know him from a bunch of other things that he's done that for some reason aren't coming to mind because the only thing I can come to mind is the fact that I found out he was in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's in like one of the first couple episodes of the fourth season. Plays a student that's like, Oh, I don't know how to get around either, Buffy. We can be friends. And then he gets turned into a vampire. She has to kill him. Spoiler alert. But yeah, I think his character carries around a copy of, of Human Bondage or something. Look it up. It's fucking fascinating. He looks like a baby. Elton John, of course, is in this movie. Way more than you would think. And is really fucking fun and has a filthy ass mouth. And I am for it. He's He's the best. This is just and just one of the biggest surprises. This Elton John in this movie is sort of like putting Hulk in Thor Ragnarok. If they had not told you that Thor, Hulk was going to be in Thor Ragnarok, it's that sort of level of holy shit. Elton John's in this. Oh, that's kind of fun. And then they keep bringing him back. And then they keep bringing him back. And then he kung fu kicks a guy and you're like, what is happening? Channing Tatum, who they did advertise all over, and Jeff Bridges, both very handsome men, just saying. Just, just give me moments. Both advertised all over this movie. Both have maybe 10 minutes of screen time total, like collectively, all together. Jeff Bridges and Channing Tatum as the American statesman. Yeah, just... Yeah, they, they advertised the shit out of them. I guess they wanted to do a spinoff, maybe? They thought about it, or maybe it's a weird stunt casting. I don't know. It's really good. It was originally stated. Uh, you may have noticed that Colin Firth in the first movie, 
uh, got shot in the face by Samuel L. Jackson. And most people in movies, having that happen to them, don't come back. Like that guy in Pulp Fiction, he did the whole Ezekiel 27, blah, blah, blah. That guy didn't come back for our next movie. He just didn't. He's not in the Vega Brothers. He's not in any other movie. Tarantino, he's not in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know the timeline doesn't work, but guess what? What if Tarantino's last movie is a time travel epic that just crosses all over all of his movies? I would watch the ever-loving shit out of that. But yeah, they said he wasn't going to come back, and then yeah, they, they wrote a book. <laughs> they wrote, wrote the script, and we're like, yeah, we can make him come back. This is goofy spy shit. We can do that. It's based on a comic book. Of course he can come back. Edgerton, he almost had to back out because he was doing Robin Hood, and then everybody realized he was doing Robin Hood, and they worked it out, and it was fine. It was filmed around England, Italy, Sri Lanka. So just a fascinating globe-trotting adventure. It was released in September or early October, depending on where you are, because they didn't want to have the Blade Runner 2049 take away viewers of this, which they should not have worried. A great movie. It's visual epic. Probably never watch it again. It's just that sort of movie. There was an Archer crossover where I believe some of the secret agents went on the secret agent comedy show Archer and did stuff. I didn't watch it. They had multiple brand deals. Uh, and Hard Rock Cafe introduced a Poppy Burger, which we'll get to. But A, why do we have another Hard Rock Cafe mentioned in this? I don't know where that's coming from or why Hard Rock Cafe would be tied in with this. I didn't even think they were a thing still, but apparently they are. I thought there was maybe just the one in Vegas. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe we should go all go to Hard Rock Cafes during this delicate time we're in. Get the Poppy Burger. Maybe get Mad Cow or whatever the fuck you get. Like Cropfield Jacobs disease or some nonsense. Just a very weird promotional item that we will get to. This is another one. It happens pretty fast in the movie, so we'll get to it soon. This movie did gross $100.2 million in the United States and Canada. Worldwide total of $410.9 million. Against a production budget of $104 million, probably add on another $50 million. And it has done pretty well for itself. Made its money back. If they made a sequel, why not? The reviews, mixed at best. I think it's got a straight up 50, 51, 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a very take it or leave it movie. If you were into it, fine. If you were not, fine. No one's going to fight your opinion on this movie. And if they do, run from that person. Run from that person fast. They have issues. They have bet the wrong horse. And they will die on that horse. Because that's that phrase. So let's get into the plot. We have Eggsy. He's with his girlfriend, Tildy. I didn't get her name. I don't know who the fuck that actress is, but she's good. She's very good in this job. Does what she wants to do. Eggsy's leaving his house. He's just going to go down to the Kingsman headquarters one more time. Uh-oh, shit. Charlie's here. Didn't mention who Charlie was. Charlie's from the last movie. Apparently got his arm and his uh, throat blown out or some shit. Because he turned on on me, he was like an ex-recruit for the Kingsman, and then he went evil, and now he's like super evil with a robot arm and some other crazy shit. And there's a car chase, and it, 
They beat the hell out of each other all the way down while they're driving the car. People get shot. There's multiple fucking... I don't know. There's even a goddamn motorcycle. Because why not? We put motorcycles in every goddamn chase scene now. Can't just have car versus car. Nah. We're going to tear the shit out of London. We're going through. Eggsy turns on his submarine mode in his car after kicking Charlie out, leaving his robotic arm in the car. Goes down in to evade the cops because he can't get caught. Super spy. So he goes into the water. Submarine mode. Holds his breath. Gets out. The only exit, he's got two exits, he can wait for the police to leave, but he's got to meet his girlfriend's parents. Damn it. So he swims through sewage and meets her, and it's a very cute scene with him, and he's got his little dog, and his little dog means a whole lot to him, because he was given it during training, and he was supposed to shoot it, but he didn't. And he almost got kicked out of Kingsman for that, but, because there's blanks in the gun anyway. It's a whole convoluted story, just know this boy loves his dog as much as he loves his girlfriend, so he has to leave them both constantly. Also, his girlfriend, Tildy, is the princess of Sweden, and her parents that he has to meet are the king and queen of Sweden. So that's a little added pressure. Makes me feel a whole lot better. The only real intimidating parents I ever had to deal with was the ones that would sit and make me listen to bluegrass and then critique it. It was a very interesting time in my life. But we do see back in the car, under the water... Robotic arm pops up, comes alive, starts moving around, has USB joints in it, I guess. Sticks it in there, starts getting all this stuff. Apparently, in a closed-off, completely sealed, underwater cavern, the Wi-Fi signal is strong. Because then it starts transmitting all this Kingsman data. What for? We'll find out soon. Or, basically, I told you in the beginning, during the summary part way back and rewind it if you want but we're about to get to it so we cut to Cambodia I don't even think it mentions it's Cambodia that's way later but there's these ruins on top of a mountain and they've been retrofitted to have like this old 50s you know sort of like 50s diner and there's like a ice cream cart and some other shit and this is Poppy Land where we meet Poppy Juliet Lewis and it's just this really, she's like very sweet, and this guy's come along, and his name's Angel, and he's been brought by his friend who's a member of the group, the Golden Circle, the drug cartel. And she's like, I'd just love to have you here. It's great. You've been vouched for by a great person who is not supposed to talk about the organization that we're all in, which is, I guess, how you maintain secrecy by having your drug dealers be super quiet yet also selling more drugs than ever. I think she said something about $750 billion in profits last year or something. Seems like that would be something on somebody's radar, but it's not because, well, the old guy who talked to Angel and brought him in, well, he has to die now. Put him in the meat grinder. And so Angel does, because there's a big gas crazy looking robotic dog that Poppy controls and he shoves him in the meat grinder and it's a very interesting meat grinder because it chews up the guy clothes and all but and I guess even fillings and teeth and all that stuff but only hamburger meat comes out so it's a pretty good meat grinder she's got going there you can just dump in anything and it'll sort it for you yeah she pokes it out she goes okay go 
go uh, go get freshened up, and he goes and he gets a. There's a robot that gives him a golden circle tattoo. Basically, just brands him with pure gold. There's like this gold smelting kit there that they just keep on hand at all times, just in case, I guess. Yeah, he comes back and he's like, "Yeah, I got my golden circle tattoo. This is fucked up." He's really rattled. Angel is really rattled at this point. And then Poppy pops up a burger. It's like, go ahead. Eat him up. And he has to, because there's fucking crazy-ass robotic guards there, and she's obviously insane. And then we have cannibalism. Not saying this burger doesn't look good. It does. But I don't know if I went in, if I saw this movie and was like, hell yeah, that's a hamburger of human flesh. Then I would then cross the street, because every movie theater that I know of is across the street from a Hard Rock Cafe. I would go across the Hard Rock Cafe and I would like, excuse me, table for one, by the way, because I'm by myself. I just saw Kingsman. That's how you do that. Sit down, you know, probably at the bar because I'm one of those guys kind of hunched over, you know, just so people don't come near me. That's why I cultivate the smell. But then... I would say, I want the human meat burger. And they're like, what? I'm like, the poppy burger. They're like, oh yeah, that promotional item. I'm like, what are you talking about, promotional item? I want a burger made of human meat. From the Hard Rock Cafe. So while I'm staring at Tom Petty's guitar, right next to somebody else's guitar, and probably something that Pete Townsend broke, I can eat and pretend to eat human flesh that's been sorted by a machine in Cambodia. This is the weirdest product placement I've ever heard of. And I don't even remember in the entire damn movie seeing a Hard Rock Cafe. I really should have looked up and seen if this was true. I just saw it on a thing and believed it was true so hard because American capitalism is that fucking weird. But anyway, that night, all the Kingsmen are killed. Uh, even his friend Roxy, who was in the first movie, dead. Um, Eggsy, he's hanging out with the King and Queen of Sweden. And she was giving him like life advice, you know, like being his Cyrano. But she gets killed, and then he tries to call his friend, who's babysitting his dog, and his dog and his friend get killed. Everybody just gets blown up by fucking missiles. And it's actually kind of cool. The effects aren't bad and they're pretty good, actually. And he goes to the Kingsman and Merlin pops out, Mark Strong. Kind of the cue of the Kingsman. Got all the gadgets. He's like, how the fuck did they kill you? He's like, I was with the King and Queen of Sweden. Why didn't they kill you? He's like, well, I, they didn't have my address. It's kind of like Hawkeye, I guess. Just got a family off on his own somewhere. And I guess they're okay by that. So they go to a wine shop because this is where the doomsday protocol, if something really bad goes on, this is where you're going to go. And of course, it turns out to be a bottle of Statesman whiskey. They don't know that means other spy organization. They just think it means get really drunk, which they do. And it is Mark Strong this whole time. Merlin is telling Exit, you know, be... You know, emotionless. We have to think about this logically. Cut to both of them drunk off their asses. Just crying about all their friends are dead. I kind of like it. But as they get to the bottom of the whiskey, they see a little Kingsman 
circle and like, holy shit, there's something to do with this Kingsman and the Statesman. So they go, not just because they have man in the title. So they go to Kentucky to this distillery. It's where we meet Channing Tatum, also known as Tequila, and Halle Berry as Ginger Ale. And they get their asses beat because, sure, the Americans are tough or whatever. And they learn, holy shit, they're basically like, you're, you're supposed to be here for the other one, I guess. And they're like, what other one, blah, 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 they don't know what you're talking about. Turns out they've got Harry, who was shot in the face by Samuel L. Jackson. Apparently they have technology that will stop you from dying from being shot in the face by Samuel L. Jackson. Or anybody, it turns out. Who knew? But he's lost his memory because of being shot in the face by Samuel L. Jackson. Turns out that can mess with your brain a little bit. Cut back to Poppy. She's watching a performance of by Elton John. Turns out during the end, end of the last movie, a bunch of rich people got killed. He was one of the rich people that was maybe get killed. And she kidnapped him during the time. That's where she also hooked up with Charlie. It's a whole thing. Uh, we also learn at this point that all her drugs are poison. That they cause a blue rash. That looks like a weird, like, you know, like when a vampire looks in a person and there's like these weird veins and shit. Blue rash. And then they get all manic and crazy. And then they freeze solid and die. Because they can't even breathe. It's kind of horrific if you think about it. And simplistic. You know, do with what works. Back in Kentucky, we meet Champagne, Champ, and learn, holy shit. And they're like, you know, there's this whole American spy organization that's just like the Kingsmen. Oh my God, this is crazy. Except, all tequila's got the blue rash. And there's this blue rash happening all over the place. So he can't go with them. Goodbye Channing Tatum for the rest of the movie until the end when we defrost him. Because they end up freezing him or something. Whiskey joins him, Pedro Pascal. And full effect with his lassos joins him. And here's where we start. I could see them like all of a sudden just going to Kentucky. Fine. And then coming. But then here's where we start going back and forth across the world. In a crazy degree that you just have to forgive. Just because it's a spy movie. And time doesn't mean anything. uh, Especially traveling time. It's very much Hobbs and Shaw, where they were just jumping across the fucking world, even though they had a time limit. So they go back to England. They have an idea, basically. They don't know where Charlie is. They don't know who this golden circle is. They don't know anything about it. They're pretty sure that's what's doing it, and that's what's poisoning people. So they got to find it. So they got to find Charlie. So they find his girlfriend, Clara, who's at a music thing, because Eggsy is the only one who knows how to use Instagram, and she posts on Instagram. So they go there, but here's the rub. They have to romance her and get a tracking device, one of those special fancy super tracking devices that knows exactly where she is and can like tell you what she's saying and doing at any time, whatever. It's kind of like a Fitbit, but it has to be put on a mucous membrane. So either in your nose, in your mouth, or up your hoo-ha. They decide to go up their hoo-ha because she's an attractive female. I didn't mean that any kind of, yeah, whatever. They decide to have sex with her. Whiskey, Pedro Pascal, right off. She doesn't want the American dickhead. Eggsy, on the other hand, has to call his girlfriend first and say, hey, I might have to have sex with somebody. She's like, I'd feel better about that if we were married. He's like, ooh, I don't know about marriage. And she's like, well, fuck you. Go fuck the girl. We're done. So he feels all bad about it. So he only fingers the girl. Because this is what you do. 
but he gets his job done. And then he's like, oh, I can't do anything else. And she's like, what? And leaves. Cut back to Poppy. Oh, God. We learned Elton John has the disease. He has the drugs. He's taken some drugs. Who gave him the drugs? Of course, it's the new guy, Angel, the only the only person out in Poppy's whole thing outside of Charlie that we know. He's like, yeah, you, you've been fucking around with Elton John and my drugs. And he's like, yeah, I did. I'm sorry, Poppy. And please don't, you know, make a hamburger out of me. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to sick the robot dogs on him. And she does. And Elton John has to watch on in horror. He's got blue veins and weird drug shit all over his face. He's definitely not high anymore. Or if he's high, it's even worse because that's going to kill your buzz watching a couple robot dogs tear your friend apart. Of course, this friend is a murderer who put his other friend in a meat grinder and then ate him. So, I don't know who to feel bad about in this. Elton John, of course. I feel bad for Elton John in this instance. Especially as he watches this cannibal get eaten by a robot dog. But anyway, we go back to Kentucky because that's how we're traveling. Eggsy learns that Harry has to have like a shock to his system. They try to drown him because that's what the Kingsmen do. But then he remembers, hey, there's that dog. Remember how I mentioned he had to shoot his dog, but he didn't? Eggsy? Well, guess what? Harry had a dog too, Mr. Pickles. Had him stuffed. So Eggsy goes out, finds a puppy. And then puts a gun to its head and is like, I'm going to fucking kill this goddamn dog. And that brings Harry back. They all go to a bar. They try to simulate the bar fight from the first one. Harry's not quite as coordinated. You know, still getting rid of that whole shot in the head by Samuel Jackson thing. But Whiskey has his lassos and he beats the shit out of all the guys. And it's it's a fun fight scene. Call back to the original while giving a little bit of more oomph, you know, for the new guy. And then they see on the news, Poppy. Giving out a message worldwide. She will give an antidote. She knows she did it. She's holding the world hostage. She has the antidote. She will release the antidote with these little drones. It will be perfect. The President of the United States, all he has to do is say, we're on drugs over and legalize all of them. And give her and her people, you know, clemency. She just wants to end the war on drugs, which, quite honestly, not a bad idea. And has a catchy slogan. Save lives. Legalize. I like it. How much money have we wasted punishing people that just trying to escape their lives? Of course, um, Fox News has to be the only thing anybody's watching in this fucking universe. So that hurt a little bit harder than it probably should have. I don't know if... I mean, you almost gotta say that's... It has to be. I mean, please let it be that they didn't just take a bunch of money from Fox News and have them put their branding all over it. There's gotta be some kind of critique about American news population going on because we don't but we don't actually see any of like the the commentary that Fox News is famous for it's just news reports as far as I could tell unless they were slanted in some way and maybe I wasn't paying attention but the president he's in the Oval Office he's talking to his aides and he says fuck him you know we're gonna put on a good front saying that yeah we'll we'll do everything we want but then he's just gonna let the timer run out and he's gonna let all the drug dealers and all the drug users all die. And his top aide, his chief aide, says she works 20 hours a week, a day for him. She works all the time. Sometimes they need to 
you know, sometimes people just need a little pick-me-up. Sometimes they just need a little escape. And he's like, ah, fuck them. Let them all die. She's like, well, it's not here, but a little bit later, we see that she's she's been taking the drugs. She gets the blue rash. So the super spies are tracking people down. Yeah, and that just shows, and again, a little bit more American imperialism against, you know, we're just going to kill all those drug dealers. They're not going to try to help them. Fuck them. Mass graves. It even cuts on later where they have like a, like the Superdome or some shit, where they've just built little cages for every one person, put them all in their little cages, and then just stack them on top of each other. And that's got to be a Katrina comparison. You know, people in a fucking big-ass sports arena dying slowly away from the watchful eyes of a horrified nation who would let this happen. Who would let people die like this? Well, people who don't give a shit about people. Just give a shit about what they think is good for other people. Yeah, fuck them. Anyway, our super spies track Charlie's girlfriend to a ski resort. They claim to be a Chinese distributor so they can get in. Eggsy grabs one of the vials, fucking runs. They have to fight people down. There's this really good ski chase down a I don't know if it's like a gondola or whatever the fuck it is. It's like a big circle there. Circular gondola, you know, or ski lift, whatever the fuck. It's going down and it's like hanging and swinging a lot of times and physics is not a thing. But we have a good time. There's this old retirement home at the bottom and one of them, as the thing crashes, like right in front of them, is like, ah, that's the best shit I've had in weeks and blah, blah, blah. It's not bad. It's just fun. They finally go down to the cabin and it's just Harry and Eggsy. And they're having problems because Harry, he's got some mind issues. He's seeing butterflies everywhere. He's seeing weird shit. And he's not quite there. He kind of floated out while they were trying to battle him, while Eggsy and Whiskey were battling. And Whiskey shows up uh, along with a whole shitload of bad guys. And he like starts gunning down 50 people. He finally comes in. He's like, you got it? And he's like, Eggsy's like, hell yeah, I got the serum right here. And for some reason takes it out of its protective covering. And Whiskey like turns around too fast or something and accidentally knocks the cure, the antidote, out of his hand so they can't synthesize more as it breaks and shatters all over the cabin wall. And oh God, there's more people coming. And Harry's just like, you fucker. And shoots Whiskey in the head. And Eggsy's like, what the fuck mental issue are you on? What is happening? What the fuck is wrong with you? You just shot our friend who just killed like 20 people who were going to try to kill us. He saved our asses. He's got a laser lasso, goddammit. But he's dead. He's on the floor. He's got shot in the face by Colin Firth, who was also shot in the face by Samuel L. Jackson, so he knows what it feels like. He doesn't anyway. Eggsy's freaking out because he thinks, goddammit, he's crazy. You know, my mentor. This guy that we brought back from the brink, who I saved, I... Put a gun to a dog's head for this guy. And now he's crazy. He's killing our friends. He's broken. But Harry's like, whiskey's a traitor. And he's fucked up. And they go, okay, we'll just go back up there and we'll get some more antidote and we'll go home and then we'll sort this shit out. And he, he does put the statesman gel tech thing over... You know, fixes being shot in the face by Colin Firth. Goo over Whiskey's head so they can get out. 
And as they go to, you know, we'll go get some more antidote. They look up. Charlie blows up the whole thing, the whole antidote manufacturing plant. Even got his girlfriend inside. Like you, you led them to us. So you got to die. And he didn't even know she cheated on him. That's kind of fucked up. But still got to save the goddamn world, even if what's his name is crazy. Remember how I said they were pretending to be the Chinese distributors? Well, from that, they look up who that name is. I don't even remember what the fuck. I didn't write that part down. But they find out from Cambodia. And it's specifically in this little part, and they go there. And that's where Poppyland is. And Tildy calls Eggsy, because she's in that manic phase, because she's been smoking pot, because, you know, she had a fight with her boyfriend. She's freaking out, and they're like, oh, God damn it. We gotta go now. So they make their way to Cambodia to Poppy Land. The whiskey comes back from a very short stint of having been shot in the face by Colin Firth. He comes to meet him in a fucking fighter jet like goddamn Top Gun. And they go to break in. It's Eggsy. It's Harry. Maybe mental issues. And Merlin. As they go to assault the compound... Kill all Poppy's men to get the code to release the antidote to the world. Eggsy steps on a landmine. And he knows if he lifts his foot up, he's going to die. But Mark Strong, the hero he is, Merlin, the Q, steps up with a spray that'll freeze that landmine. They can safely detonate it. And he freezes the landmine and pushes Eggsy off. Steps on it himself. Because it's the only way. And they say goodbye to him. And as a giant John Denver fan, he starts singing Country Roads. Top of his voice. Going out in style, goddammit. Tracks all the attention. It's like five guys come up to him. They're confused. Who's this English guy singing Country Roads? Where's this background music coming from? Where's... What is this beautiful, beautiful thing? Is this an angel coming out of the jungle for us? No, it's Mark Strong, goddammit. Seeing John Denver, like the Lord intended. And as they get close, he steps off and blows the shit out of all of them. <laughs> and as the fighting starts, then Eggsy and, you know, uh, shit, what's his name? Harry come in they've got the bulletproof umbrella that's like invisible on one side so they can like see out and they're going back and forth Eggsy has a briefcase that has a gun in it because that's better than just having a gun I guess I mean it does transform into a shield at one point but still they're just mowing down all these people and outside Elton John starts hearing he's like oh my god and he starts playing the song and he sings Wednesday night's alright for me the guy's like, what you, don't you mean like Saturday? Saturday night's all right. No, what well, what day is it? The guy says, it's Wednesday. Nelton John said, yeah, that's right, motherfucker. And starts fucking playing and keeps going. It's fucking awesome. And then Eggsy and Harry just murdering everybody. Until eventually it comes where Eggsy has to fight Charlie. Charlie's got a new arm. That Poppy called Armageddon. Very... I, I love how corny she is. 
It just brings a smile to my face. God bless Julianne Moore. But the arm can like detach itself and like swing around and shit. It's it's stupid. But they fight each other eventually. I think Charlie ends up getting like a he just gets his neck snapped. He's fucking dead. Harry fights off the robot dogs one at a time because one of them's charging. He ends up beating with Elton John, beating him with a bowling ball because there's a bowling alley, of course. And they finally corner Poppy in her little outfit and she's like, I might as well just give you the code. And it's like Viva Las Vegas, Viva Las Vegan or something like that. But before they do that, they inject her with some of her drugs and they're like, aha, now you've got the blue virus. And she says, so I have. I mean, even though she has all the antidote. But it's like a quicker acting. She's like, all right, yeah, it's, here's the code. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, this is all just fun anyway. And then she drops dead. Because, apparently, they gave her too much heroin. And Eggsy didn't know how much heroin to give her, so he gave her all of it, and she just died of a drug overdose. (laughs) I kind of like it. There's no big, like, huge speech or fight. They just give her the drug, and like, you'll die if you don't tell us the code. And she tells them the code, and then she dies anyway. I kind of love it. I don't know why. Whiskey, though, he comes through all of a sudden. Just as they're inputting the code, and he's like, stop right there, person who shot me in the face and other guy. Which I think in this one, he has both his eyes, which I think is strange because Harry only has the one through the rest of the movie. Maybe they found him late. I forget. But he's like, stop right there. They're like, we, we got all the things, and you're alive. This is great. And he's like, hell no. A couple years back, woman I loved, I'm pretty sure it was his wife, maybe his sister, was killed by a bunch of people doing drugs, so let them all die. I kind of like this. This was kind of refreshing. He wasn't like a... I, I, I just like the idea that he's not a bad guy that's working with the main bad guy. Like, he had nothing to do with Poppy. He just kind of approved of her plan and was just going to, okay, like, let it go out. Like, he technically came there to stop her he probably would have killed her if she tried to like save everybody from her own machinations. I like that. It's a really clever twist that I don't think this movie got enough justice for. That there are opposing forces in this movie and there's a traitor, but the traitor is not working with the bad guy kind of for it and will even stop the bad guy if the bad guy tries to stop the bad plan. It's kind of great. It, I don't know. And it's just a fun fight with like his laser lasso and they're having to fight him both and they work together and throw him in a meat grinder of course uh, I hope they didn't have hamburgers afterwards to celebrate but they defeat, they defeat him put in the code worldwide saved the president gets arrested because his aide heard everything and was he was going to kill her and all these people that he just stacked up in a fucking uh, anyway so yeah in this world, you can see how fantastic it is because the president got arrested for doing some evil shit. And we're back at Statesman, and they're like, yeah, we bought a brewery in uh, Scotland, so you know, we've got a reason to be in the UK, so we'll give you all the money you need to rebuild all your organization. And they said, like, we need a new whiskey if you want to you know, come over and be with the Statesman, Eggsy. And Eggsy's like, no, nah, you should probably give it to Ginger Ale. And Halle Berry's like, fuck yeah. So they do. And they give the Kingsmen all the resources to rebuild, and they do. 
and everything's sort of back at zero, and I kind of dig it. Oh, and uh, Eggsy and Tildy get married. It's a very sweet marriage at the end. Elton John playing for him, which I mean, the King of Sweden. You figure it if Elton they asked Elton John, he would have anyway. But there you go. Uh, overall, that's the end. Um, overall, the action's fun. It's overall just kind of dumb. It and that's, I think it's going for it. It's it's a smarter written plot, full of just dumbassery. It's very um, Bill and Ted. If Bill and Ted murdered hundreds of people, I I kind of dig it. I mean, I but I definitely understand people who wouldn't. This is I don't really like the turn your brain off the movies. I think any movie can be analyzed, but this is definitely one of those if you find yourself very stoned or maybe you've had too many drinks or you're laying over after a night of having too many drinks and you're just fucking hung over. You don't think a whole lot, but you just want to see just an appropriate amount of loud noises and people kicking the shit out of each other. This is your movie. Kingsman, the golden circle. And I think that's where we're going to leave it with this week's episode. Um, yeah. So remember to help us on, Patreon.com slash library dollar a month, gets you all the stuff. Follow us on Twitter, wherever else you want to. If maybe I'll respond to some stuff at another time, who knows? But until then, thank you for listening. Stay in, read a book. Music, Dances and Dames, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.